Oh man. It's nice to finally be here, man. You know. It is. It is nice. Yeah. How was your weekend? Uh so far so good. Uh I can't remember what I did on Friday. I can actually never remember when someone says, Oh, what did you do? I'm like I I can remember the last thing I did. Right. Um, <laughs> but that's about it. But no, good weekend so far. That's the worst question to answer. It's like, I don't know what I did. <laughs> you don't even care what I did. You're just asking me to fill in the space on the Monday morning when, you know, at the office. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, 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 no, I had a good, um, it was a good week. I felt it was a good week. Um, There's a lot of stuff going on. I went to a, a good show um, on Canal Street. Mm. Um, went to see Walshy Fire, the DJ set. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. How was that? Uh, it was really fun. Yeah, yeah really good fun. It was that night, Thursday was horrendous weather. Do you remember in New York? Oh, yeah. No, that was bad. That was very bad. Yeah. So I feel uh, probably a lot of people were put off going out, but those that did venture out, I think, were rewarded with a suitably fun evening. Yeah, I I had a good weekend. um, And last week was cool. I got to go to pianos for the first time. Um, I don't know if we can say post-pandemic yet, but... Um, I got to see a friend of mine perform there. Shout out to Big Stuff Band. It was a really dope show. Um, it's just nice to be back in live music and just, uh, you know, experience it. I was at Brooklyn Steel for a show, too. I saw Cautious Clay, um, and I, I, he's one of my favorite artists. So that was that was a treat. Um, it was like a nice little birthday treat that I had um, yeah. Early, yeah, earlier this month. Yeah, there's a lot of good shows. Like, um, I feel like there's tickets coming out every week now that i'm like oh jesus i want to see that right. as well yeah <laughs> well you were telling me something about you were coming from somewhere about your uber oh yeah then no, that was last night that was oh. last night um yeah so like so i was i was with friends last night um actually a friend's birthday party and engagement drinks so something to celebrate yep and i ended up going on late and uh i was over in the west village and i was like all right time to go home how much for an uber Back to Williamsburg, do you reckon? From West Village? Yeah, like how much would you, I guess, I've built it up. Now, yeah, so like, but how much would you expect that to, to be? Yeah, I like with surge pricing, like a reasonable figure, it's, I would probably say like $40, $50. Yeah, okay. I was expecting it to be more like 35 Right. <laughs> it was 70 Damn. 70 yeah. Crazy. Well, you, at the height of the pandemic, it was cheaper to fly to Puerto Rico than it was to take an Uber from Brooklyn to the Bronx. <laughs> Is that I, right? I spent like a hundred bucks on a flight to Puerto Rico, but like with surge pricing, yeah. you could have easily spent $120. Yeah, that's know? true. That's true. But yeah, it's just people weren't flying then, but you know, we're, we're, we're slowly coming out of this thing. Uh, you know, live music definitely took a hit. Production definitely took a hit, but uh, you know, I have a lot of friends who work in that space and, you know, who are musicians and touring, you know, and I'm, I know what it's like to be in a band being, you know, a drummer and it's your bread and butter interacting with fans when you don't have that. Uh, of course, y- you know, it's hard. It's yeah. Hard. Yeah. Well, long may it continue. It's, it's, um, you know, spring is about to spring and, uh, I'm hoping that this is actually going to be a really good spring summer. Yeah. Yeah. So done with winter. I think, yeah, I think it is. I think it'll be good. So let's get into this thing. Why does the world need another podcast? You know, what, what, are, what are we doing here? Um, well, my name is Tim. Uh, this is Jason. 
you know, we've known each other for a couple of years now, and uh, we both work in the music industry. And we're both avid lovers of podcasting and just music enthusiasts overall. And, you know, coming together, we were wondering, like, is there a platform out there where musicians, up-and-coming musicians, can actually get industry advice in a way that's truly digestible, you know? And there are certain things in the industry, like whether it be websites or just outlets that we like, but it's could be boring to a lot of people who don't work in it. So we, how do we converse and dissect these topics in a way that's truly digestible to like up-and-coming artists? Yeah, I think so. And as you have said, it's we hope this is going to be educational in many ways and of value to people who, you know, maybe don't have the resources or struggling to find the resources all in one place. Um, but it's also very much, we hope to be conversational. Right. 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 You use the, uh, it's education through conversation. Yeah. I yeah. Like Cause that. we don't, we don't know everything, but you know, your, your background is in music law, entertainment law, and my background is in music marketing. So we, you know, we have a bit of knowledge and we, we talk to a lot of people who know things as well. So the conversation is going to help us discover new things and hopefully help the audience discover yeah. new things as well. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's so. Important. And, you know, we bring a different perspective. We each have a different perspective. And um, as we dive into different topics and, uh, you know, points of interest for the audience, then, you know, I hope we ourselves become more knowledgeable about some of the areas that we are not dealing with day-to-day in our right. own remits yeah i think um so yeah through current events in music we'll we'll pick topics to dissect we'll later on even have people on um uh and also shout out to our co-producer engineer uh co-host uh danny who shout out danny yeah yeah who's gracefully letting us use the studio but you know he's an accomplished uh artist in his own right so we'll have his perspective on here as well and yeah, we're just conversation, man. And not not pretending like, you know, we're the be all end all, but we curate a, a lot of information from other places and use our own experiences to help educate um, the musicians, whether you're just starting out or whether you're a bit seasoned and you're trying to figure out, you know, your first deals and negotiating and navigating through that space. You're going on tour for the first time, like oh, like, what team do I build? Like, should I sign this agreement? You know, do I need a lawyer or a manager at this stage? How do I put out music? These are all questions that we hope to answer and, you know, just, you know, provide our, our own perspectives on. Absolutely, yeah. So maybe now is a good time just mm -hmm. to talk a little bit about each of our backgrounds. So we don't need yeah. to go into it right. in depth. But, um, yeah, Tim, tell... Tell us about uh, yeah. how you got into music and what you currently right. do, your experience. So I have been a musician for as long as I can remember, you know, starting out in uh, preschool, elementary school, playing the violin and all that stuff and keyboard, uh, percussion instruments, and eventually I got stuck on the drums. Um, so I went to music school uh, for drums uh, played in bands, played gigs all throughout the town. And, you know, eventually I wanted to study music business because I felt like I could provide more equity for the people that I loved and the, the music that I loved in the, in the music space, um, in the, in the industry specifically. Cause it's one thing, like when you're an individual, uh, musician, like a drummer, 
like I know all of the drummers and the great drummers and like the people who play on the tours, you know, but it's a very like segmented, compartmentalized part of the industry versus, yeah, yeah, versus, you know, when you're actually working at a label, for example, or management, you have your hand in sort of the bigger conversation of music, you know, and I've always wanted to start my own label and just guide musicians that I know and I love um, throughout this whole process. So, you know, I studied music business in school, moved to New York, um, started working at labels, got specifically into marketing and product management and, uh, you know, currently cutting my teeth in that, uh, been working with all types of artists from like legacy acts to pop acts to hip hop. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's been a fun ride and you know, here I am. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Um, well, similar, I always had an interest in music and affinity to music. I think, look, we're human beings. I think, you know, I'd never trust people that don't like music. Quick story. <laughs> I, I went on a date with a girl and she told me she did not like music it was the last time i ever spoke to her that's the first she's, time i, I think ever heard she's that. lying that's she's lying maybe she yeah. maybe she, maybe she that yeah, yeah, yeah it might have been me she didn't like me but, but yeah. uh, no i always always had like a strong affinity to music i would say and then uh that led to you know similar i was always playing instruments um got into a band a lot of it was just i, I don't know if i ever had any serious professional aspirations but i just loved playing and loved performing yeah um and then i studied law at university and didn't go straight into it I actually worked in the drinks industry mm. right after right. college and had a lot of fun doing that and it actually taught me that whatever i do you know professionally or for a career i've got to have a strong interest or enthusiasm for the underlying subject matter right and wasn't enjoying being a corporate lawyer working in the city i was in london at the time um but was kind of at the the right place at the right time and the firm i was working for were instructed on um universal's acquisition of emi and all of a sudden i was like throwing it at the deep end, trying to work out how this huge record label worked and operated. And I realized I was getting like insight of like the entire business that would have potentially taken years to learn. So I, I was just absorbing it like a sponge. Right. And, uh, and then during that process, I met these guys, let's call them music lawyers, yeah. music attorneys. Yeah. And they were the first lawyers I'd come across. And I was like, oh, these guys are actually fun. You know, they've yeah. got, they've got, they had some amazing stories. I was like chewing the ear off them to t- like, just tell me more stories about the, you know, what was that one you were speaking about the other night where you flew to New York and mm-hmm. people talking about signing meetings where they'd put it into the contract that yeah. three people had to be there dressed as the Pink Panther <laughs> and things like this. So, I just realized, right, okay, if I'm going to stick at law, if I'm going to do it, maybe this is an avenue for me to, um, you know, combine the profession with something that I loved. And um, so I got into a firm working as a, like an artist attorney. Right. Uh, From there, I did a little secondment at a record label. It was the first time I'd like worked in house at a record label. And that experience just like, opened my eyes I was like this is I'm actually enjoying coming into work on a Monday morning like I can't wait to get to work and it was just a great bunch of people you're working with creatives and um, and yeah like that uh, 
that sort of made me realize like I'm in the right career. So I've been doing that um, for some time now. I'm currently uh, in-house working in the legal and business affairs department um, at a, a well-known record label. Um, and music company, I should say, they do more than just records. Right. And um, yeah, I guess getting an insight that I hope to share with the audience. Yeah, no, I think that's a good perspective. And I, I feel like we need more either musicians or music advocates in the music industry. As crazy as that sounds, um, I, not my coworkers specifically, but, you know, I've seen a lot of folks who they could be working in music or they could be working, you know, in banking. You know, they just sort of happen to find a gig working in these industries, right? But you're able to empathize with artists more. You're able to, you know, have more joy in your work when you're actually excited about the things that you're working on. So, yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah. yeah. So we can get into the subject matter for today. Um, the first few episodes, we're, we're still mapping out, but we're, we're sort of trying to provide a guide for, okay, let's say you are creating music for the first time. You're wondering, how do I put out this music? How do I market it? And how do I spread it to the masses in a way that makes sense and that's coherent um, instead of just creating music and storing it in my computer? Like, what are the steps to get it from A to Z? So that's what these next few episodes we're going to talk about. Um, and the first topic on that is music distribution. So let's get into what what is music distribution? What does that term mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I can tell you what it means to me. Um, you know, distribution, just like in any business where there's a supply chain, you actually have to get the product out there into the stores, I guess, of, uh, you know, it could be retail or what have you, where it is available for people to purchase, right? For consumers to purchase. Right. Like Coke at Walmart or any product in a store. Exactly. Works and, the same way. You know, when you're talking about that world of Coca-Cola, there's warehouses, there's distribution hubs, etc. There's trucks that are, you know, running up and down the country. Um, and it used to be exactly the same thing and still is for physical right. uh, music, CDs, vinyl, etc. Right. In but, a smaller capacity, but yeah, it works the same way for that. Yeah. Yes. Um, but now, of course, um, much more prevalent to talk about in 2022 is digital music. And it's much the same thing, except, of course, digital means that your music can go to a whole, whole lot more places, a whole lot faster with much reduced cost. So distribution to me is just how do we get the music out there so that it is available to consumers and fans. Right. And I I think when people um, think about where music is distributed, they think about the, the major stores and the major streaming platforms. So you have your Spotify's, uh, your Apple Music's, Amazon Music, Tidal, but there are hundreds of stores domestically and internationally that these distributors have relationships with. So when you sign up, for any type of distribution, and we'll break that down later, it's not just those like main platforms that your music is being distributed to. It's it's everywhere. Um, yes. So so that that's that's you know something yeah. to note. And um, and you know a lot of those ones we've talked about, those would be familiar to a lot of our listeners. But then, you know, for all intents and purposes, 
in China, if you're not on Netties, then you're not distributed in China, right? Yeah, that's, that's a good that, point. That, yeah. So it's important to be aware when you're we're talking about distribution partners. You know what is their footprint, not just in your home country, but you know throughout the world, essentially. So yeah, that's a good point. Um, so let's get into how your music can be distributed or the different the different ways it can be distributed. So to break it down simply, you have major label distribution, you have independent distributors, you have actual independent distributors, and then you have direct uploads or you know direct relationships with individual stores. Um, so we could talk about labels first. So yeah. yeah, what separates like a label distribution setup versus, you know, an independent distribution setup? Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I think when we're talking about that sort of that type of distribution, you're really only talking about three players in the marketplace, which are the three major record labels. So you got Universal being by far the biggest you have Sony and then you have Warner, okay? And I think unlike some of the other forms of distribution we're going to talk about, like re really here what we're talking about are record deals, you know, traditional right. record deals. The labels are participating um, in the rights of the records in exchange for not only distributing your music but also services that the label provides and money that they're directly investing into your music yeah and like these these companies are so huge and have such a market share that essentially they, they do everything they're like start to finish we're gonna sign you to a record deal we're gonna pay for the recordings you know um we're gonna do the marketing we're also gonna do the distribution in-house so they they have all of that that whole logistics network in-house because they can keep control of it right and they're not reliant on third parties but i think you know for a lot of i i, I should imagine that most of our listeners um this is like a good place to start just to set the the frame for the conversation right right but i think for a lot of our listeners um well if you get to this stage straight off the bat, you're doing something right. And yeah. you've probably got a good team around you who can explain a lot of this stuff and right, handle it exactly. for you. And uh, it's important to keep in mind in this conversation, we're not advising necessarily yet on like, should you take a record deal or shouldn't you? It's, this is specifically on how to distribute the music. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, whether you find yourself in a position later on down the road to get a record deal, you know, hopefully you have a team by then that could talk you through those steps and like lawyers and all that good stuff. Um, and we'll, we'll touch on that topic as well, but record labels is the primary way that, you know, most music that's making money is being distributed today. And it's from those, from those three major labels. Um, yes. So I think look that that's the sort of, uh, you know, the, the pinnacle. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. terms of um, you sign, directly to one of these majors, um, to whichever imprint it might be. And, um, you know, they have incredible distribution networks and systems uh, and a lot more than that. Of course, it's, it's the full gambit of services um, that you're getting from the label. However, you know, importantly, you will not own your music. Right. Right. That, right. Like, that's... 
that's uh, baked into it. You know, they're funding it. They will own the music. You get your royalties, of course, right. et cetera, et cetera. Um, and also, because of the investment they're putting in, you will be um, sacrificing a lot of creative control and your potentially artistic integrity. Yeah, this is we we were talking about this um, in pre-production, but this is a good point where you are giving up a lot in exchange for what could be a, a lot or not a lot. It just depends on how successful your music is and your relationship with those labels, right? Yes, yeah. So at the end of the day, we're talking about contracts and fulfilling them and um, deliveries of singles and uh, EPs, albums and projects. It is within that label's right to reject your submission, Yes. Right. Yes. If it, you know, if it's, if you've gone too much off on a tangent of what, uh, you know, your prior body of work was, and it's like, look, this is not your fan. We we suspect your fans are not going to enjoy this next record. You've gone off on whatever tangent it might be, um, or it's not. No, it's too much of the same. You know, you know, we need to move. Whatever it might be. Yeah. Um. And, you know, you would hope if there's a good A&R, it's a conversation and, you know, we bring people, but, you know, it's not unheard of. And yeah. there's been fairly famous cases where people have been stuck in their deals well, I was for gonna, this sort of reason. I was going to say, you, the, even today, you see examples of major artists who are in disputes with their labels, either because they're not happy with the agreements that they signed or their music isn't getting the attention that they think it should or you know, the label isn't happy with the current music that, mm-hmm. you know, is being delivered. Yeah. Um, so you, you find yourself in a, in a sticky situation, but at the end of the day, you, you are partners with this entity. They've invested the money in you. Um, and if you decide to go be a chef and quit music, it's not like they can come chase you for your, for your, for your checks, yeah. being a chef or being a banker, you know, it's, so they own the masters. Yes. Um, but it also comes at their risk of this investment not might not make money. Absolutely, so. and and you know and uh, you know we don't have to get in for right. that. It'll be for another episode. But that's often more often than not that is the case, you know. Right. And uh, but I think look, this is definitely um, just to make people aware that like that is the pinnacle of distribution in terms of you know they do it all from start to finish. Yeah. However. Um, you know, it, it's uh, there are some Stuff you're some elements up. you got to think about there, etc. Yeah. But uh, like before, we mo- we're going to move on, I guess, to the next um, the next branch of distribution. But I think it's worth saying that by far and away, you know, these major labels break more international artists than anyone else by some distance. You know, they. They the, yeah. they know what they're doing in that regard. And strictly from a distribution perspective, they've had relationships with these streaming platforms for longer. They it's just yes. they've been here for longer. So therefore, like these connections, these chains are the supply chains have they're just more they're more used to going through these processes and the stores, the, the streaming platforms, they trust the labels more so to you know, pitch music or develop these relationships than they would other types of distributors. But that is changing. But as of right now, that's that's sort of how it is, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And one last point, which is, I think, like, interesting is that 
of course, these labels have huge catalogs, huge catalogs, right. which the DSPs, the Spotify's, the Apples or whatever rely upon. So when it comes to the new music, the frontline music, yeah. it's that's all leverage about, you know, like, hey, by the way, um, we're not getting enough love getting p- playlists, you know, puts and plugs. So um, often, more often than not, the major labels, you look at like the, the, the Spotify created playlists, which are so important to be on these days. Um, you know, they, they've got direct relationships and major influence there. You know, Spotify will tell you it's all totally independent and there's no yeah. payola or anything. Yeah, but look, that's, yeah, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> if a major label artist um, who has the backing of essentially the entire industry, they're getting radio play, they're getting the press, um, they have the big partnership deals. When they drop music, the DSPs are going to put them on their editorial playlist. Um, it's not a question of, oh, we pitched it really well on Spotify for artists. No, it's like they have the relationship, so therefore they're going to push these artists. Yeah, yeah, okay. So look, that's uh, the major labels. I think like the next uh, step down, we've got the like the independent uh, distri- distribution companies. Right, and we like, use that word independent lightly because because yeah, there are three of, of them. None of them are. Right, exactly, and... Uh, so it's the Orchard, um, ADA, and Virgin. Virgin, which yeah. was previous. Well, Virgin has been a thing, but it was previously Caroline. Yeah, yeah. And, and now they've, they've yeah been rebadged a, it. Correct. Yeah, but these three companies are owned by the three major record labels. So the Orchard is at Sony, ADA is at Warner, and Virgin is at Universal. Yeah. So it's independent, but it's not really because they they have the funding and the infrastructure that major labels do. The yeah. difference is now, you know, getting into it is that they they are more selective when it comes to who they distribute. Um, you need relationships with them as well for them to say, hey, we're going to have a, distrib- a distribution agreement with you. But they're not necessarily providing the label services in the same degree as major labels do. And also, they're not participating uh, in your masters. So that's, those are probably the two biggest things when it comes to the difference between the major label distribution and the tier down, which are the independent distributors. Yeah, when you say not participating in the master, they take no ownership of, of the masters. Yeah, you, like and and often these um, distribution companies, they are doing deals uh, directly with labels, record yeah. labels. You yeah. know, like large, um, you know, very large independent labels, etc. Which um, uh, and then all the way down to smaller labels, etc. And it'll be in return for a percentage of revenues. Right. Revenue and, split. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there will be a whole bunch of like services, like, you know, so-called label services that um, pitching for playlisting, uh, marketing, PR, um, even like plugging plugging into their YouTube multi-channel networks, right. which increases, uh, you know, advertising rates, royalty rates, etc. You can do direct ads. So there's a whole bunch of benefits to that. But um, again, I think, um, you know, that's more into the world of like, you're, you're, you're dealing with labels, etc. And it's big business, not so much the DIY at home artists. Correct. And 
it it is those independent distributors are um a great option if you're sort of already a bit well seasoned um you you have your team put together you've been doing numbers on the DSPs you're you're playing shows um the issue with the independent distributors and even major labels is bandwidth um cuz even at labels uh if you have a specific label group that's just stretched too thin getting that support for a newly signed artist is hard because absolutely you know there all of the support is going towards the bigger acts so you know not everyone who signs a label deal is going to be successful just as not everybody who you know works with these independent distributors are going to be successful so they have they do have genuine uh, marketing capability capabilities um digital marketing services it's just about the priority you know the orchard ada uh version have their favorite artists that sort of get the most attention but a lot of the times they're stretched thin as well so you know you you just have to at least with those two analyze what situation is best for you and then you know make the best decision um, yeah yeah that's true i think yeah. it's like certainly helpful to have those services um whether you want to solely rely on those services right. is another question yeah that's that's well said it's helpful if it's there and it might, you know, get you a cool brand deal or it might, you know, create that TikTok campaign that does the right thing to to make your single blow up. But I would argue that with any distribution service, do not go to them solely on the pitch of them having marketing services internally. You really need to build your team to help your projects independently of those at the end of the day unless you're you know signed to a major label and even then yeah. it's always helpful to have your own team yeah yeah i think so and uh this actually takes us neatly on to the next tier yeah down which is you know like the true independent distribution services for diy bedroom artists etc right. me and you we can uh, make music together, start a band, and we can directly distribute through these companies. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And th this, to me, you know, just on a uh, personal level, this is like the most exciting, right? Like level of distribution, just because this has opened the you know the gateway to millions and millions of bedroom artists. You know, like developing artists with like dreams of making it big and just who want their music to be heard right, right? and like the easiest way the easiest yeah. way and the possibilities of you know we talked earlier about the distribution the logistics the supply chain etc where you pretty much had to be signed to a record deal in in the past to get your music out there now anybody can make music and it's available to be heard yeah. you know um so it's exciting and uh so what, who are the who are the who are the names that spring to mind when we talk about this like true independent distribution? Yeah, uh, you have at this point there's like a dozen companies, but the bigger ones um, and our audience might have heard before the Distro Kids, the CD Babies, uh, United Masters, uh, TuneCore. TuneCore, yeah, yeah, those yeah. those are those are probably the biggest ones, and the, the differences between them. Um, are not very much, to be honest with you. It's more about sort of what benefits you in your current situation when it comes to their their pricing 
uh, yeah. models. Yeah, I agree with that. It's like your your situation because it seems like CD Baby was the first um, one of these sort of distribution companies to come out and, you know, very uh, innovative in its time. And then TuneCore closely followed. And when I was doing a bit of research on this, it, it, what occurred to me was that like every every new company that springs up is like, you know, you more or less getting the same type of result, let's say, maybe varying levels of service. But it seems that like each one came along to, you know, fix a need that the previous one wasn't able to do. Right. You know, whether that was um, you know, address like the, the volume of music you wanted to put out. You know, for example, um, DistroKids, you know, charges like a flat fee and then it's unlimited releases. Yeah. So, you know, if you're if you're like like a little like even uh, small label and you're signing artists in your area or what have you and you want to be putting out like a lot of music, then that's something that you might be interested in. Um, but then, you, you know, you dig a little deeper and it's kind of like depending on, on when you want, there's bolt on fees, you know, there's fees on the back end, which which yeah. can add up to be honest with you. And you have companies like CD Baby um, and being in bands before and groups I've distributed mostly through CD Baby and TuneCore, but what CD Baby does is um, they charge you per release. Um, so, but see, they'll tier their services based off of where you want your music to be distributed. So, you know, I, they might still do this, but if you only want your music in like the major stores that everybody knows, at least in the US, they might charge you a lesser fee than if you want your music in the hundreds of stores that are actually available domestically and internationally. Um, so with them, you are paying per release versus a TuneCore where you, I think you have the ability to pay per release, but their overall model is like a yearly subscription base where yeah. you pay let's say $100 a year or however much it is, maybe less. And I think it depends on how much music you have up there. But you pay that annual fee for them to keep the music up there. Yes. And if you stop paying, then the music no longer exists on those platforms anymore. Yeah. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, yeah, I think and I think one important point to say is, you've, you know, you've got uh, those services traditionally also took a percentage of your earnings right right so you'd like to call it a commission and i guess typical would probably be somewhere like nine percent like nine ten percent um distro kid i mean it sounds like i'm pitching for distro kid here i'm not i'm just trying to make it obvious that there are differences and yeah. uh, like they don't take uh, like zero percent on your earnings you get 100 yeah. percent of your earnings um but however there are other factors to take into consideration, the level of service, how many releases you're um, likely to be putting out a year, and you know, what sort of what sort of back end fees are there that you're gonna like want plugged in, which soon starts to add up. But Yeah. Um, and even with the services thing, it's almost it operates just like the uh, the label services at uh, the Orchard or any of these companies, like TuneCore, for example, they have um, marketing services right but it's if if you are the priority artist um a big part of their marketing was uh chance the rapper right it was like chance the rapper uses TuneCore, you know be like chance the rapper you can be as big as chance the rapper with independent distribution 
but he's also Chance the Rapper, you know, and he (laughs) also had a team um, on payroll uh, helping his career out, putting him on tour before he was distributed through TuneCore. So you just have to be uh, careful when it comes to like how these independent distribution companies are marketing their services. And I, I think we could both agree independent distribution is a very, very good thing. It's probably one of the best things that's happened to enable um, artists to not have to, you know, go through the labels or, you know, take the fence down and be able to put out music themselves. You know, what we're doing now is just sort of breaking down the differences and just stuff to think about. You know, do you want to pay a yearly subscription to keep your music up? Do you want to pay per release? Do you want to maybe not pay the money, but also give up, uh, you know, a percentage of your profits from your music. So it just yeah. depends on what your financial situation looks like. Yeah, we were talking about that a little bit earlier, weren't yeah. we? We had different opinions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was looking into um, a service which I wasn't as familiar with their terms, but it's a one RPM. And it was like no fees whatsoever. Great. Okay. Especially for a developing artist. If you like, for me, I want to, I want to put as much money into the recording to get like you know the actual product that i want and uh then the marketing right so i ideally i feel at the start i i wouldn't want to pay distribution fees but right. they take a 15 percent commission so that was like one of the highest ones on the list that i looked at however again you got to look what you're getting for that they offer playlist pitching marketing pr and supposedly they've got a fairly good, like robust YouTube multi-channel network, which you can get plugged into. You get your YouTube channel plugged into their multi-channel network, and now you're benefiting from enhanced YouTube royalties. Um, they can serve direct ads against your videos, etc. So, I guess the point is, well, the question is, yeah, yeah but how much am I actually going to get of that? Right. You know, like, because you can't be offering these services to everyone. Like, someone's actually got to sit down and, you know, they, they can't have all their thousands of tracks being pitched for the same playlist, for example. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think that if you're serious about your craft and serious about, like, making it in music, and I guess it just goes back to what we've been saying is it depends on what is good for you. If your goal is just to put up music so your friends and family can listen to and, you know, you you maybe get a bit of buzz, but you're not looking to do it full time, then that's one thing. But, you know, when you sign major deals, you're going to give away enough of your rights already. So for me, it's like giving up 15 percent for to an independent distributor, you know, it's. My thing is, if you don't have two hundred dollars or some amount of money to put up your music or promote your music, then you're doing something wrong to begin with, you know, work the part-time job, save up the money and invest in your career as if you're a business, you know, there's nobody on earth is going to invest in an idea or nobody with money is going to invest in in an idea. They invest in an idea and they also invest in the person Mm -hmm. and the work ethic. Yeah. They see the the, the sweat equity. Correct. The sweat equity, sweat equity, the business model that's already in place and they, they build up off of that. So, you know, I think it's on, it's an unfortunate thing where musicians who want to make it full time can't necessarily create art in a vacuum anymore. You have to be your own entrepreneur. And, you know, for me, it's like, 
if I'm a label or a brand or, you know, a production company, um, it's hard for me to invest in you when you haven't put the investment into yourself. And for me, it's like you're, you're giving up 15% um, to this independent distributor. And who's to say that your music doesn't blow up or that song doesn't blow up a couple years from now? So yeah, something yeah. that would have cost you $200 in the beginning is now costing you yeah. 15%, yeah. you know, of of your music. Yeah, well, look, it's a good point. And then, you know, my retort to that would be, well, maybe the 15% is worth it for the services that have been provided to get your music to the point to it's blown up, you know, if they actually have delivered on, uh, you know, the services that, um, you know, are... are advertised let's say right, so right. but um but i guess i i went through like there's there's actually a really helpful uh article on uh an industry website uh ari's take yeah and uh i mean it's actually fantastic it's there's a table there where all the sort of um the regular names like the the regular lineup would would are laid out across the top and then all the different um like, what would you call them like benefits or unique selling points are laid yeah. out you can see at a glance you know what the commission rates charge what the yearly fees are um what the even things like the like the customer like the customer care response times right you yeah. know like because that's a big thing if that, something's yeah. going wrong and you're like you're trying to get your release out there and you know you, you're just talking to a machine what no, have you, you're, you know. You're right. And I I know there there are people that work at these companies, but distributing music on C D Baby and TuneCore, for example, not to call them out, um, but it's I've never talked to anybody that's worked there. You know, it's all yeah. through the website. Yeah. Um so that's something to factor in as well. If something goes wrong, what is the response time with these companies? I think that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, there's a whole list of things, but that article's like certainly helpful. Um and th- actually one thing that we, we kinda didn't talk on, but uh, you know, we've assumed that uh, we're primarily focusing on digital here, but it's important right. to say that, you know, not all of these names will distribute physical. Yeah. So, uh, I think if, most if you, of if them you, won't. Yeah, yeah. Like if you got, I know CD baby uh, do physical, but if you've got your heart set on, uh, you know, a beautiful colored vinyl or something like that, right. Yeah. Then, uh, you're wanna you're gonna wanna check that they do physical and that's an option for yeah. you. Another service too that we didn't bring up. Um a lot of these companies now or have been doing uh admin publishing services as well. So mm-hmm. um that's just something to check out. I think they all charge their own different fees. Um and then symphonic music, uh they make it a point uh to offer uh, neighboring rights uh admin services as well so we always talk about you hear publishing all the time but you never hear neighboring rights or you know nro's versus pro's and symphonic music administers that as well for a for a fee yeah that's a conscious that that's a lot of acronyms there and people are probably thinking what are are neighboring rights we'll get into that that's definitely one for another episode but you're right there's i think there's a lot of um as i said you know it seemed to be that these different services are springing up and they're offering like a, you know, oh, we also do this like a bolt-on service, et cetera. Song Trader, I think, started out as a sync licensing company and now they've got, they're a distribution service, but they've got a strong sync department and, you know, by all accounts, they do reasonably well on that. So, um, I mean, that's that's an extra revenue stream, you know, for for developing artists, for for DIY artists. Yeah. 
And um, I would be remiss to not mention Empire in this discussion as well. Um, so they, in my, they sort of operate between the independent distributors owned by the major labels and also the DIY distributors where, and there's a lot of companies like this where they're sort of, they're sort of boutique in the services that they provide. They're more selective. They have A&R departments who actually go out and find artists to, um, you know, build relationships with and sign to distribute distribution deals, uh, to the companies. Um, and I like empire because they are, they have a specific niche there, which is hip hop. And I think that they distribute other type of artists as well, but they sort of know what they're mm -hmm. doing and they know how to operate in that space. So I think they're yeah. doing a really good job. Yeah. United Masters probably fall into that Correct. bracket yeah. as well. Like yeah. hip hop focused, um, more hands on than some of the, uh, names we discussed, but right. a, a lot of the time, you know, to get that hands on service, it's more like, you know, it's invitational, Yeah, you know, like there sure. it's, it, it's not, um, it's not one size fits all yeah um they have a pretty good brand partnerships department as well yeah they do united masters so you know it's just i think it, the 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 lesson is it's um, about going through seeing what works for you the last thing i think that's important to touch on uh is payment splitting right mm. so if me and you record a track um and we decide that we're going to go 50-50 or whatever on the, the royalties. That yeah. sounds fair. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, then, you know, not all of these services can split the payment like that. Mm. Uh, maybe you pay some of your money. You put like $1,000 in for the recording costs. Can the first one thousand dollars go to you to recoup your money before yeah. I get paid, etc.? Right. They like, don't know. They don't divvy up the payment structure like yeah, that. Yeah. So you know, some do, um, and you know, I think they're um, I th the lesson is like they 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 offer similar services, but with a whole like a whole range of nuances, and it's important just to do the research and find out what's going to work for you, both like pricing and structure, commission, etc., but also all the other like services. Um, so, so I, I think, think that's it in terms yeah. of those are, you know, there are other types of like, like services we could talk about. Right. Uh, and we'll touch on that in other, in future episodes, but, um, I think we, I think we did a good job in covering, uh, you know, the main, the main ones and the options that independent artists have. Yeah. So, I mean, go and do the research, take a look, get on the websites. I think that's a really good thing. Like I noticed actually one thing that, uh, you know, TuneCore and CD Baby, you know, they, they, they look like a music website. You know, they got the sort of sexy pictures of the brooding musician, some uh, guitar shots, drum shots, that sort of thing. If you go on to DistroKid, it's like, it's, I mean, it looked to me like I was buying like a a mobile phone plan or something. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. it's kind of interesting. But yeah. it, you get a feel for things like that just by going on and checking it out. Have a look around, and you know, get your music out there. I guess get your music out there. Um, also, follow us at the Record Shepherds on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, we'll be posting all of these resources in the descriptions of uh, our episodes. And also email us at therecordshepherds at gmail.com if you have any questions, want us to answer anything or feedback on the on the topics. But yeah, thanks for your support, guys. And uh, don't be a sheep. Take the guidance of the shepherds. And be, be a the goat. goat. Thank you. <laughs>